You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. a little longer than nine to five but you get the point and back here doing what i like to do best interviewing people in the fantasy football and dfs community helping you to make money and to get the best information possible as we run to daylight so today we're going to be running to daylight with nfl preseason football but before we do that a couple quick notes Um, You're able to find my podcast now on iTunes. Um, If you rate it and subscribe, I would appreciate it. And you will always find me on Twitter at Todd with one D, T-O-D, from PA. And my guest tonight is a gentleman who, while young in, in age, has come a long way since I first met him. He is a regular writer and frequent contributor to one of the best websites in the business, Rotoviz, and he is doing a lot of things, including podcasting now. His name is Anthony Amico. Anthony, welcome to the website, I mean to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Todd. I appreciate it, man. So a lot yeah, of I'm a little there. rusty. I'm a little rusty. I'm, I'm tripping over myself. So um, I I neglected to mention your Twitter handle. Could you give that for everyone, please? Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's at Amixta. That's A-M-I-C-F-T-A. And, Anthony, um, you are writing for Rotoviz. And what else are you doing right now? Why don't you give the folks listening a little bit of a sense of all that encompasses uh, Amixta? Uh, well, right now, I'm, like you said, I'm doing a lot of work for Rotoviz, just writing a lot of articles, get ready for regular season football. Um, I also contribute at Number Fire, and I've been doing a lot of work over at QQBs with Sal Staffanili, as I've been kind of just starting up that website. And uh, the big thing right now is over at Fantasy Insiders, I'm doing the preseason DFS picks. And uh, that's really how you came to my attention last year. And I had you on my old show with Len Barnhart. And you made me some good money last year in preseason. There's a couple guys who do it real well, um, along with Anthony, if you follow Pat Thorman of PFF, and Seth Yates. All of these guys can help make you money. Um, But, Anthony, you've been pretty prolific when it comes to the articles. It seems like every time I go to Twitter, you've uh, published a new article about how many articles have you written this summer? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. It might be like maybe like 60 or so. I, I mean, I'd have to like go back and look. But there's no, just so uh, many places that are like letting me contribute that it's, it's easy to like kind of get the word out. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm, I, I'm real happy for you. And, um, you know, but 50 articles. I mean, I, I knew you were being prolific, but I, I didn't quite know that much. Um, so, um, we've covered kind of that. I, again, I mentioned I did very well in preseason DFS last year using your choices. What got you into preseason DFS and why should every football DFS player play preseason? Well, I mean, the the big thing for me is just that it seemed really beatable, right? Like there's, you know, like all these players in a player pool, like typically during a regular season week, it's pretty obvious 
at least like some limitations to that player pool because only the first string guys are playing. Uh, but in preseason, you're just opened up to first, second, third, fourth string. Uh, and a lot of those lower string guys, while they're usually more productive in preseason, are neglected because they're not names. So that kind of leaves, you know, uh, a huge amount of arbitrage there. Like just playing the games, you probably find a lot more dead lineups every week than you do during the regular season. Uh, so just try to take advantage of that. And with a little information, you can, you can you know, profit pretty well. Yep, and that's one of the key things I noticed when you uh we're going to use DraftKings uh for most of what we're talking about here. Um FanDuel I think didn't do uh, uh preseason again this year. I know there's other sites that do preseason, but we'll stick to DraftKings because that's one of the more well-known names in the industry. One of the first things you notice about NFL preseason Anthony is the salary. Everyone has the same salary, and that enables you to not really worry about who you're choosing. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, the the good thing about the player pricing is that you really just want to find the best plays. I think a big reason they did that was because they didn't want, like, the star players to be put into lineups. I think they try to cut some of that down by, like, not making them obviously the highest paid players, but there's still, like, edge there to be gained and, uh, yeah, I mean, just find the best guys every week. It's it's a pretty nice chore to have to do. Yep, and and again, a lot of people who might not put a lot of thought into it, they see Aaron Rodgers, they see Andrew Luck, and they don't think, hey, this you know this guy might only have, might only play a series or two, or he might only play the first quarter. Yep. Yeah, I mean that's uh, it's like so interesting too because a lot of this information like is pretty available if you look for it and you just find like a lot of casual players not doing that research well more than any other sport i think the nfl is flush with casual players who just want to put in a couple lineups to make their watching of games that maybe they normally wouldn't watch more enjoyable and like you said earlier that leads to a lot more dead lineups yeah, I mean, we saw that just this past weekend, right? The Hall of Fame game got canceled, and uh, 33% of lineups in the $3 GPP on DraftKings still had a player from either the Colts or the Packers in it. So that just gives you, like, a really good idea of, you know, the players that you're playing against in these terms. Yeah, and unlike MLB, it's very hard to win a tournament with a zero in the NFL. Oh, it's so hard. Uh, like, I mean, the thing is that, like, you could obviously, like, still play a guy with a zero, and then, like, all those teams having zeros doesn't really help you, but it's, like, knowing that going in is just, like, such a huge edge. Yeah, and knowing that you're, uh, you know, when you figure that the average GPP, uh, 20 to 25% of the lineups cash at best, although I know this year it seems like the sites are – reacting to some of the negativity over the past year by raising that percentage. I think I I listened today to Adam Levitan on his podcast mention that the big GPP millionaire maker on DraftKings has 27% winners. But when you figure 27% winners, if you can eliminate 33% of those lineups, even before you get there, you've basically put yourself into a 50-50 position to cash. Yeah, and the the biggest thing too is that you're playing basically a rake free game. You know, they're gonna take they're gonna rake like twenty percent off the top, but if that's just encompassing like a bunch of the dead lineups, you're you're playing rake free and you're still getting a little bit more. Yep. One of the key things for anyone who listens out there, if you want to be able to do what Anthony and some of the other experts do, and if you just want to stay on top of things Uh, One of the things I and I think anyone who takes this kind of seriously does, find out there are, if you Google search for a list of all the beat reporters who are out there, who cover the teams every day, every single one of them is out on Twitter. Follow them, and you'll get a lot more information. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I know Seth Yates has like a whole – a whole beat writer list. If you go to the Twitter page, you can just, uh, you know, subscribe to that list, even if you don't want to like individually follow all the beat writers. Oh, I didn't even know that. That's nice. 
Yeah, it's a good deal. So um, it's it's interesting to see in the past all these opportunities have broken. It'll be interesting to see the percentages as we kind of head through preseason if the opportunities of the past are still there. You know, one of the things that definitely, I think, fueled the success that people like you and I had who did more research last year was the fact that DraftKings was advertising like crazy and bringing new people on, and they played in the preseason. I I had a little bit of a question in the back of my mind if without all that advertising, would there be as many fish this year as last year? Did you give that any thought? Uh, No, I mean, I still think that, like, FanDuel and DraftKings have managed to be in the news a lot, especially with all the litigations. And I think by now, like, a lot of people are just really aware of daily fantasy sports. I mean, the the companies can't even really – companies can't really operate without, like, new clientele and stuff like that. So I feel like they're still going to be doing a good job. Even just, like, Internet ads, like, get people to, you know, to play games. Yep, I I, I agree with that. Um, And if what you were telling me about the first preseason game being canceled and 33% of the lineups being dead, that's a good start. But I I do think uh, it does bear watching to see if, you know, one of the things you always want to do in things like this is not take things for granted. Just because something was one way last year doesn't mean it's going to be this year. Um, So it'll be interesting to me as I read the people who break down these GPPs um, if, if indeed we're still seeing as many fish as we head to week two, three, and four. So I'm very interested in your process. You know, you put out these articles of who's going to get the bulk of the work in preseason. I wonder if you could lay out for me the process that you use to do that. Uh, Well, it starts with a lot of box score scouting. So uh, I'll pull up the depth charts, especially like for week one. I pull up the depth charts at Our Lad for you know, for obviously right now, but also they have archives from last year. So I'll pull up the step chart from the start of August last season, and I'll look at the players that received a lot of touches in the games they played in last year. So, like, for instance, last year in week one, if, you know, Tampa Bay used, like, their third-string running back a lot, I'm looking to see who the third-string running back is this year. You know, and and I'm trying to compare the, the workloads in that fashion. Uh, as the preseason goes on, it's a little bit easier to figure out who's going to be getting not only the bulk of the playing time but also the bulk of the touches because those player patterns are usually pretty consistent, uh, especially with respect to, like, what quarterback target which receivers. Like last year, Colt McCoy, you just knew he was going for Rashad Ross on almost every play. Uh, that just made him, like, a really easy guy to target. So once you start seeing some player data, uh, like week four especially – it's just really easy to kind of pinpoint who's going to get the work. And you always want to be listening out to the beat reporters, like you were saying before, because if you want to keep up to date, not only on coach comments, maybe a coach is saying how long a player is going to play in a particular game, but also the injuries, because sometimes you end up with like these really short depth charts and a couple of guys get hurt. And now all of a sudden, they have a player who maybe he's good, maybe he's not, but he's going to play, you know, three quarters of a football game, which you don't really get that often in preseason. So you really want to be able to take advantage of those situations as well as just, you know, the basic research that I mentioned earlier. Which, um, you know, brings me to two questions. I'll ask the first one first, obviously. You mentioned Ross. I mean, the word got out on him as preseason went along. But do you remember what his ownership percentage was the last week or two? Oh, I have no idea. I, I don't even remember, honestly. I just knew that. Yeah, like, I don't either. <laughs> I, 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 I don't either. But, uh, again, that would be kind of an interesting thing to see how many people learn. But the other thing that Anthony mentioned, I think, is the real key point. One of the – keys to winning at daily fantasy is figuring out usage regardless of the sport whoever's going to get the touches the targets uh, whatever team throws the most passes 
Um, those are the teams that have to go to the top of your list as it relates to who you are going to consider for that week. Well, in the preseason, if you've only got four running backs on your roster, two of them are hurt, and the third one is your starter who you know you're only going to want to play a few series, that, again, that is, if I understand what you're saying, Anthony, that is probably, again, back to our original point, why preseason DFS can be such a moneymaker because you're seeing usage rates that you might not, you know, the difference between someone like that and the next guy is going to be larger than what you would see in a regular season matchup. Isn't that true? Oh, absolutely. Because you're going to be, you know, like in a regular season NFL week, there's going to be a bunch of running backs that get like 15 carries or more. But in a preseason week, there might only be like one or two. Yeah, I I, I think that is a, a an excellent point to mention and kind of one of those and, you know, we're going to get to the part where we, we ask Anthony to give us a few fish, but it's important, as always, what I try and do on this podcast is to teach you to fish. So get your depth charts, get the injury reports, and then figure out, is there one guy who's going to be forced, whether they like him or not, to get 20 carries? Because good things in preseason can happen to anyone who gets a lot of carries playing against the fourth, you know, third, fourth string defense. Absolutely. All right. So I look in looking at your article, I like your format. You tend to go game by game. Have you also thought of adding a top 10 list to your position article? Yeah, that was something I was considering. I mean, uh, I'm going to talk to it. I'm going to talk about it with my editors and, you know, I might go back to the well and try to get, like, a hard ranking set. The thing is that, like, for me, I, I'm not really much of a cash player. So, like, pure rankings aren't really, like, something that I consider. Like, I'm just trying to get exposure to, you know, a certain number of players in, like, the most optimal way. Uh, but, like, certainly people are playing cash games and want that information. So I might start trying to, you know, integrate that to get that information out to them. Well, maybe a suggestion now that I think of it is to give uh, give each guy a grade, um, you know, A, B, C, D kind of thing, um, just so that people can get a sense of how you view them. But I guess if you read the article and you read through, you get that anyway. It was just a curious thing that I had. So we've got an interesting thing this week, Anthony, and now we're going to get to the part where we throw some fish into the audience and let them fight over them. Um, we're going to start with the Thursday to uh, Sunday to Thursday slate, which <laughs> turned into a Thursday-only slate. Um, and we'll talk about the Indianapolis versus Green Bay game. Um, who, you know, who are some of your favorite plays from that game? And has anything changed since you first started doing research? Oh well, the the Indy Green Bay game is the one that was canceled on Sunday. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that- you're right. Hold on. <laughs> Idiot alert, idiot alert. Hold on, i got to blow myself up. <laughs> it's all good. No, hold on. I just... And, of course, I just made myself sound like a fish. All right, Redskins at Falcons, total 37. Um, Atlanta and Washington, you mentioned Colt McCoy and Rashad Ross. Um, they're in your article. Do you... Are you as hot on them as you were last year, or are there other quarterback-wide receiver combinations that you like more for this slate? Uh, I mean, they're one of my top stacks. Colt McCoy is probably, like, my second or third favorite quarterback this week. Uh, Rashad Ross is probably one of the one or two wide receivers I'm going to try to get into as many lineups as possible, just because uh, this is, like, this might actually be the best spot for them all preseason. Last year, in this same game, Kirk Cousins, while he was still the backup, played two quarters, played the second and the third quarter. And now, obviously, Kirk Cousins is the starter and Colt McCoy is the backup. Uh, and he and Rashad Ross have kind of risen up the depth chart together. So I'm, expect, I'm expecting that duo to be consistent again this, this summer. Uh, so I definitely like both of those players. Yep. And I'm, I'm noticing in that game that you put down both the Falcons and the Redskins defense. For you know, gun to your head, which which defense do you like better there? Uh, that is a tough call. I mean, like as just like a straight up play, 
I probably like the Redskins better just because they're going to be playing against Matt Schaub, who is – well, I mean, last year he was like a pick-six machine. Like, I don't know. He just throws really bad balls into the flat and gets picked off, I guess. Uh, but the the main reason I'm interested in playing the Falcons is because I would be stacking them with Devin Fuller, who's a wide receiver, uh, but also returns kicks. So I, I really like that opportunity to double dip. It's not something that I do a ton in the regular season, but in preseason, especially since I think defensive – uh, you know, production is kind of hard to figure out anyway. I, I'd really like to get that opportunity for the double bonus. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So um, we we go to the Buccaneers, plus three at the Eagles, total 37.5. And it, we come to my favorite uh, running back play of the week. I'm not going to steal your thunder, though. Why don't you tell us about it? Oh, yeah, it, it's Byron Marshall. I mean, he's the uh, – He's like the hashtag only play this week. Uh, he's just in one of those really good depth chart situations we talked about earlier. Uh, Ryan Matthews has already been banged up a little bit. I wouldn't really expect him to play at all. Uh, Wendell Smallwood was declared out. Darren Sproles is an older veteran. He's not injured, but I would probably not expect him to play more than like a series if he sees the field. Uh, and Ken John Barner just got hurt yesterday in practice. So, now they're in a situation where Marshall could very well be their only healthy running back, uh, or at least by far their most talented healthy running back. And he's someone that displayed a versatile skill set at Oregon and a player that I honestly really like. So it, it just seems like a really good opportunity to get a lot of usage, like we talked about earlier. And he's someone that you could also see on specials, make some plays. Like there's just so many ways to see him scoring points that it's really hard to see not playing. Yep, I agree with that. When you go over to the other side, you've uh, listed Mike James. People might remember that Mike James a couple years ago when Tampa Bay had a bunch of injuries at the running back position, came in and played very well during the regular season, was a bit of a darling uh, before he himself went down with an injury. You've got him listed here, and it looks like Charles Sims is also in question. Um Mike James, anyone else behind him, or do you just think that with uh, Martin and Sims out or not playing much that it's going to be James, James, and James? I definitely think we're going to see a lot of James. Uh, I tweeted at uh, Jenna Lane of ESPN today. She's a Bucks beat, rep- beat reporter, and she got back to me. I asked if Mike James or Peyton Barber will play more tomorrow night. She said it's going to be Mike James. He played a lot with the ones the twos today in practice. So I think we're going to get a heavy dose of him, but I definitely think you could play Barber if you're look, if you're you know, if you're playing like a lot of tournament lineups. Barber's a player that has good weight adjusted agility. He was a pretty good player at Auburn, so uh, I wouldn't like I don't I don't think that you can go without playing James in a majority of your lineups this week. But if you wanted to fade him for Barber in a couple, I could think that's totally understandable. Yep. And you've also got Chris Givens out there. Chris Givens is a guy who was another guy who I did very well with last preseason with some long touchdowns when he was with the Rams, so people can check him out. We'll move to the next game, the Jaguars, plus 2.5 at the Jets. Total down here a little bit at 36.5. And you basically say here that this is a game to get away from. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there's going to be fantasy points scored in the game, and maybe if you're if you're fading both sides of the play, play one of the defenses, there's just no real way for me to gauge the touch value for either team. Both teams really, really spread out their usage last year. I mean, I think the Jaguars in week one had, like, 34 total receptions from, like, 18 different players. Like, it's just really hard to, to see who could be the guy that produces – and I'm just not – I think there's just so many better spots targeted this week. It just doesn't seem worth it. Well, and that's exactly the opposite of what we were, were looking for. What we're not looking for is situations where things are spread out over a bunch of people and there's nine different guys getting, you know, the chance to split a workload. So um, that, that, that's great uh, note, and it also makes your studying easier if you can eliminate a game. 
That takes us to the next game where the NFC defending champion Panthers played the disappointing Ravens. The Ravens are one of the more interesting teams in fantasy where they've got a high-profile offensive coordinator who has had a, a, a terrific proven record. But you've got about eight guys, it seems, at every position, and that's going to play out a little bit, I imagine, in the preseason as well, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. But And the thing with Baltimore, too, is that they're also a team with a lot of injuries. A ton of wide receivers, a ton of tight ends are injured for them. Uh, even at running back, they were dealing with some issues with Kenneth Dixon earlier last week. Uh, I know he returned to practice this week, but they just had a lot of guys in and out of the lineup. So I think that actually makes, like, picking players from them a little bit easier. Like, I really love Darren Waller this week because he's basically their only healthy tight end that I feel like can catch passes. Uh, so he's, like, tight end is such, like, a hard position to, to you know, to lock in on, especially in preseason, that I think you just throw Waller in, like, 100% of your lineups and hope that he catches a touchdown because he's probably going to play at least a half, if not three, three or four quarters. That's good. Uh, originally, you had Max Williams on the list, but he, he pulled up with injuries and uh, a little bit of a disappointing start to his career last year. Um, you know, they, they traded up to get him. Um, big news at the time that they jumped the Steelers to get him. But even with all the injuries last year, he, he couldn't he, – he lost, he lost time to um, – guys we never really heard of, and now they brought Ben Watson in, and we got, what's his name, Dennis Pitta trying to make a comeback. So, um, uh, you know, uh, kind of digressing a little bit from our point here, but Max Williams not off to the best start in his career. For Carolina, you've got Devin Johnson and Kiaris Garrett on your list. Any of the two of those you're really high on? They're more secondary plays for me. If I was going to play one, it would definitely be Garrett. He's someone that I thought, uh, you know, got slighted in the draft process. He went undrafted after having 1,600 yards in his final season at Tulsa. Uh, so, for me, like, he's someone that's talented. He's fighting for a roster spot. I think that this is, uh, a, you know, a spot where he can show his skills and try to make the roster. Yep. All right, we're going to move over to the Saints and the Patriots. The Saints are favored, which is even in preseason is a bit of a surprise. One of the higher totals, 39.5. And immediately we come to probably one of the biggest questions of the week in Jimmy Garoppolo. They need to get him ready for the regular season, so he might be on the field more than you would normally see. Um where do you rate Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you have him ahead of Colt McCoy? Yeah, he's my top play this week. I, I mean, if you're playing cash games and you don't want to take on the risk that comes with Bill Belichick, I could totally get behind playing McCoy or one of the other quarterbacks. But, you know, Garoppolo has the highest ceiling. He threw 30 passes in this game last year in the exact same situation because at the time we thought that Brady was going to be suspended for the first four weeks. So, I, like, having – Having that kind of a floor from a quarterback in preseason is just really hard to come by. And he has some weapons. So, like, I think Garoppolo is the top guy this week. And, I mean, he could easily throw for, like, 200 yards in a couple of touchdowns. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, first of all, I like Jimmy Garoppolo a lot as a player. Um, he was my favorite quarterback that's come out over the last couple of years. Quick release. I like his demeanor. Um, you know, he seemed to take a little of a bit of a step back last year, but um, every report that I hear is that he's doing very well, and I think he's going to surprise some people in the first four games this year. I think he is a very, very sneaky uh, week one to four GPP play in the NFL DFS, and someone that I took always seemed, you know, I, I just did this Dynasty League that I mentioned with uh, some of these uh, experts who, who, to be honest, know the rookies and the young guys a lot better than I do. And I, I, I reached a round or two for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I just think, you know, Tom Brady, as great as he is, is going to be gone soon. And I really think Garoppolo is a guy who's going to be, you know, a top, a, a top five, six quarterback in the league. Um, any further thoughts on Garoppolo? Are you kind of with me on that, or are you still kind of wait and see on him? 
I mean, I'm waiting to see on him as, like, an NFL QB, but be, there's no way I'm not playing him tomorrow night. One of the more interesting guys um, is DJ Foster. I think he is interesting because you keep getting these reports out of Patriots camp that James White uh, roster spot might be in jeopardy. Tell us about DJ Foster. Well, Foster was someone that played running back initially at Arizona State and then played wide receiver in his final season. So he's someone that we know has like that versatile skill set that we're looking for. But the one thing that worries me is that he sat out of practice today. So it, it, I'm not 100% sure if he's going to play tomorrow night. Uh, and that like, amount of uncertainty kind of just makes me worried. Like, we'll obviously get an injury report on him. Uh, you know, even in the preseason, these teams put injury reports out. It's just uh, – you know, you probably can't rate him as high now thinking that he might not play, or if he is playing, that he would be limited. Gotcha. Malcolm Mitchell, Devin Lucian. Uh, Mitchell, again, just getting tremendous reports out of camp. Um, is he a top three or four guy this week? Oh, I think Mitchell might be my top, or maybe second to Ross, just because I feel like Ross is pretty much easy money at this point. But Mitchell has gotten, like you said, all the good reports. Uh, he's been practicing pretty extensively with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, so, like, I think that if you're expecting Jimmy Garoppolo to be out there and throw, like, 25 or 30 passes, there's a decent chance that if they let Mitchell play a, a good amount with him, that a bunch of those passes are going to go to Mitchell. Yeah, I, I think that that definitely <clears> – <throat> excuse me. That, I think that definitely is one of the top guys on the board, and I'm glad that you agree with it. Um, going over to the Saints, you've got Daniel Lasco at running back. Um, last year in preseason, I, I made a tweet that I thought this Sneed guy had a lot of talent that I was seeing in the preseason. And it seems like um, Sean Payton is the type of guy who really could give you some opportunity. It seemed like Marcus Murphy, another young uh, guy, got a ton of carries a couple of weeks in preseason. Why Lasco over Murphy? Uh, I just think that Lasco's more talented, first of all, uh, but also is is fighting to, to play actual snaps this year. Like I, There's a scenario for me where Lasco plays really, really well this preseason, and they cut C.J. Spiller, and they let Lasco be like their pass-catching running back because he has that kind of skill set to me. Like He's a really good athlete, and I think that even if maybe Murphy gets like a couple more touches, Lasco has better odds to like just take one of the house. Yeah, and and I, I Twitter got set ablaze a little bit by the the first report, um, you know, a depth chart report out of New Orleans that that showed Spiller pretty high up there. But I mean, he's a guy who was a first round fantasy pick not that long ago, but last year he looked like he didn't have much left. So it'll be interesting to see what – that's one of the late-round really interesting stories of this year, I think, is C.J. Spiller, if, if he can do something. So we move over to the Broncos and the Bears. It's one of the lowest totals on the board at 35. Um, Kevin White, I think I've heard of him before. Um, thoughts on Kevin White for, t- t- uh, for tomorrow? Yeah, I usually don't advocate to play starters, but – the Bears have already come out and said that their starters are going to play the whole first quarter. I figure they get maybe three or four possessions over that time frame, maybe even more, depending on how the Broncos' offense does. And with Mark Sanchez, it could be really bad, obviously. Uh, but Alshon Jeffrey might sit out this game. So we're looking at a situation where White would be the clear number one wide receiver for Jay Cutler. Uh, obviously, the Broncos had a great secondary last season, but we're not sure how long those defensive starters are going to play. And, you know, if White gets any looks against second or third string corners in the first quarter, like that's just a situation where I feel like he's going to, you know, to make a long play or score a touchdown. So uh, that's kind of my thought process there. He's definitely, like, more high risk than I think a lot of these other guys, but the reward could be just really, really good. Absolutely. And, you know, he is maybe the guy out of this whole weekend that I want to see the most and get my eyes on before I start drafting for real in my redraft leagues. Um, I've, st- I've stayed away from him for the most part in best ball uh, because I feel like he's going where 
a good percentage of his upside is baked in. And I typically, if I'm going to take a chance on a guy, I, I, I want almost his full upside. You know, if he was ninth, tenth round, I'd be drafting him like crazy. But in the sixth round or even the early seventh, he's a guy I've been passing on. Um, so I definitely want to get some eyes on Kevin White. He's someone I'm very much interested in seeing since he was such an early pick, and we didn't get to see him last year. Um, on Denver, you mentioned Virgil Green. Virgil Green, the Virgil Green hype, I think, started and stopped about five times in his career. But Anthony writes he has a real shot to be the top tight end in Denver this season. So keep him in mind for your um, teams. So we're going to move to the Friday slate now, and we're going to keep going for another 10, 15 minutes on this, try and get through all the games. We'll see how we do. Um, the Dolphins at my New York Giants and Anthony's New York Giants, as I just remembered, another Jersey guy originally. Um, so you've got Ryan Nassib down, and I don't know that I've heard more conflicting stories than I have on Ryan Nassib. I've heard everything from he's awful to he's really come along and the Giants feel he could, you know, take over if Eli got hurt. Um, what are your thoughts on Mr. Nassib? I mean, make no mistake about it, Ryan Nassib is not good. Like, if he was the – if Eli Manning got hurt tomorrow, the Giants would be in real trouble. But he just gets a lot of volume in these games. The team is pretty – good about just letting him go out there and throw a ton of passes. And uh, Friday plays only five games, so there's just not that many quarterback options. Uh, it's really interesting to me. Like, the Saturday slate, I think, has a ton of quarterbacks, but Friday just doesn't. And uh, I think you've got to just got to bite the bullet with NASA and use them in, in some of your lineups. Paul Perkins is on the list, um, one of the more interesting late-round uh, running back in a zero RB scenario this year. Um, and I think that that is a really good choice because the Giants are going to, you know, they've already said they want him to be the running back of the future, which says to me they're going to give him a chance to go out and show it. Uh, Would you kind of think along the same lines? Yeah, and, you know, he's the kind of guy that can do a lot of things, right? Like, you know, he can run the ball. He caught a bunch of passes in college. So he's the kind of player that if you put him in a GFS lineup, there's a pretty good chance that he can contribute in a couple different ways. Yep, Roger Lewis, undrafted free agent. Um, again, the Giants have had a history of having some guys really come in in the preseason and have big days, and uh, Roger Lewis is your favorite guy. Yeah, Roger Lewis might be – I was more excited about Roger Lewis than I was about Sterling Chet for the jump. Like, I just think that this guy is really, really good. He, you you, know, you were more excited State, about him than who? Sterling Shepard. Oh, really? As a Giants fan, I mean, like, I wasn't really high on Sterling Shepard, but I think, like, them getting and a I guy was. like Roger Lewis. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But them getting a guy like Roger Lewis as an undrafted free agent I thought was big. Uh, this is someone that was really talented. He played in a high-volume offense last season at Bowling Green, and he just made a ton of plays. Like, I think that what he does translates really well to the NFL. I don't think you can really argue against the production. So this is a spot where, like, he's going to be playing against some really bad players, and I think he's just better than them. Yeah, and I think for fantasy football, you know, when you say you really like someone, and I really do like Shepard, I think he's just got a knack for coming down with the ball in tight spots. Um, You know, he reminds me of not quite as explosive Steve Smith, actually. But, you know, I can like a player for my team, and still not draft him in fantasy much. I don't own much Sterling Shepard. Again, I feel like, you know, you're getting him in the seventh round. Uh, You can get Travis Benjamin. You can get Stephon Diggs. There are guys out there who I think have as much, if not more, upside than uh, Shepard who are going after him. So I don't own much of him for fantasy. Um, going over to the Miami side of the ball, Damian Williams at running back, Rashawn uh, Scott at wide receiver. Seeing what Adam Gase can do with Miami is, again, one of the more interesting things for me to look at in the preseason. What are your thoughts on these guys and on the Dolphins' offense in general this year? My thing with Williams is that he is, again, someone that could get a ton of work. 
uh, Jay Ajayi and Kenyon Drake have both been like on and off the injury list all summer. Um, Kenyon Drake just had another hamstring injury, injury yesterday. So there's a pretty good chance that like neither of those guys play or at least don't play that much. Uh, Arian Foster probably isn't going to play at all this preseason just because he's coming off a major injury. So we're talking about Damian Williams and Daniel Thomas being the primary ball carriers for Miami this summer. And Daniel Thomas has shown us a lot of times, like on at least three or four different occasions, he has shown that he's just off. And I think Damian Williams is is actually How is he even still there? I mean, it's just mind-boggling to me that he's still. I mean, I see that I see him still being in the league, getting you know a second or third shot somewhere. But how is he still on the Dolphins? It's mind-boggling to me. <laughs> I think he's actually been like in a couple other practice squads or ever throughout the last couple of years, but now he's back again with Miami. Oh, okay. Uh, well, that makes even less sense to me. But um, Rashawn Scott's your number one choice at wide receiver there. We're going to go over to the next game, the Detroit Lions, the Calvin Johnson-less Detroit Lions versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. For Pittsburgh, you only mention Eli Rogers, and you don't mention uh, Fitzgerald Toussaint or the other – I can't think of the guy who – the other guy who's there right now um, – Tell me about Rodgers and also why Toussaint um, and the other Pittsburgh running back didn't make your list. Uh, well, Rodgers has just been getting a lot of really good publicity. I mean, the, the coaching staff the other day came out and said that he was a guy that is competing for first-team reps in the regular season, which kind of came out of nowhere. Like, I, I think for the most part, people have been saying Sammy Coates and Marcus Wheaton are going to round out that receiving lineup outside of Antonio Brown. So I thought that was really interesting. It seems like he's the kind of guy that has a lot to play for this summer, and he's obviously at least pretty talented if the coaches are considering him to start. So for me, uh, it's just like a spot to play a guy who's hungry and probably can produce a lot of PPR value. He's a slot guy primarily. So it just seems like a pretty good uh, target for me. I mean, you mentioned the running backs. I, I didn't really look at the running backs that much only because the way that they used their running backs last season in this game was hit or miss. I mean, they were kind of all over the place. Drew Archer got a bunch of catches, but they don't really have that kind of a player on their roster that I feel comfortable playing in week one. Uh, So for me, it was just more of like, can I gauge the opportunity that's going to happen on this roster? And without like a major injury, it's kind of hard to do that. So I'm kind of just staying away. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. Um, which is kind of interesting because in the regular season, uh, whoever seems to be that starting running back for Pittsburgh is is gold. Um, I love your call on Eli Rogers, both for preseason and as a sleeper late in fantasy drafts, perhaps. Um, I mean, let's face it, Ben Roethlisberger can make pretty much anyone a reasonable choice. Um, look at Darius Hayward Bay. I mean, we all had buried him and thrown dirt on it and packed it down like five times, and he ends up in Pittsburgh. And and while he's not, you know, the best guy out there, um, Ben makes him viable. And, and there's very few quarterbacks like Ben and Breeze who can do that, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say like Roethlisberger, Breeze, obviously guys like, uh, you know, Brady and, and Rodgers, like those are that kind of group. Yep. Uh, for Detroit, you're, you have two names. You have Dwayne Washington, who was a draft choice this year, and Jay Lee. Um, where do you rate Washington among some of the other running back choices that you mentioned? And, you know, last year the guy was Zach Zenner. Why Washington over Zenner? I just think that this year they value Zenner a lot more. Like, I think Zenner – Last year coming in had to prove that he was someone that could get regular season carries. They still had Joy Bell. So Zenner in the preseason just kind of pounded the rock for them. He led all preseason running backs and rushing yards last year. Uh, so they definitely show that they're willing to give the ball to one guy. But, you know, Zenner is important then this year. They don't have Joy Bell. I think that they're kind of lining up Zenner to be their short yardage back this season, uh, either him or Stevon Ridley. But I think Stephen Ridley stinks. Um and Dwayne Washington's a guy that <laughs> Dwayne Washington's a guy that might not even make their roster. Like he's probably going to end up on the practice squad. 
So it's not it's not like a big deal to them if they use him a lot. And on top of that, I think he's pretty good. Uh, I mentioned in the article, a four four eight forty guy, eleven point oh seven agility score, two hundred twenty three pounds. Uh, those are really good athletic measurables for running backs. So if he does get touches, we're talking about someone that's actually probably pretty good at football, getting a lot of work against second and third string defenses. Yep. Vikings plus three at the Bengals, another lower total at 35. You've got Trey Carson, um, and you've got John Peters, not the director from the old days. Um, And the reason I bring Peters up is because you really don't have a lot of choices at tight end. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Carson and Peters? I really like John Peters. Like, I think he could be a real player. Um, I wrote an article about him at Rotoviz, just kind of lining up who he is as a prospect. But he's just a really freak, like really freakish athlete. He played wide receiver in college, but he racked up a lot of touchdowns at the Division Three level. Um, and now he's on a Bengals depth chart at tight end that has a lot of injuries. We know that Tyler Eifert's hurt. Uh, their second string tight end, Tyler Croft, also might not be back for Week One. So it's pretty much between John Peters and C.J. Uzuma, who played at Auburn to be their starting tight end week one if both of those guys are hurt. And I just think that Peters is a better player, or at least has the chance to be. He posted awesome numbers at his pro day. You can check those out in my article. Uh, but pretty much in terms of, like, height, weight, speed, he's the best player that they have in their whole roster, and that includes I. So I, I think that he can come out and, again, like, playing against bad players, he can big boy these guys. He's 265 pounds. I think that if you're trying to get, like, that red zone touchdown out of your preseason tight end, Peters is just the guy. I, I love it. I, I love the call. I love the information as to why you love him, and I'm going to look into him a little more. Um, something's got to give with this Bengals receiving core as it relates to value, and somebody's got to come out of the woodwork here, I think. Um, it could be Tyler Boyd. I, I mean, I just don't think Brandon LaFell it w- was much before Brady. And even last year with Brady, he didn't play very well. I, I just And all the injuries you mentioned, I just think that if you can figure out who the sleeper is in, that, in this Bengals receiving core, you might be able to find a, a, a big winner. All right, so we're going to pass on the Vikings because it's someone that Anthony doesn't think much of. We also are going to pass on uh, half of the Browns and the Packers, and we're going to head over to the Browns. And one of my favorite guys um, to draft late um, in MFL 10s recently, Terrell Watson. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Watson and where do you rank him in your running back ratings this week? Yeah, Watson's another Rotoviz guy. I mean, if you go if you go on Rotoviz, we probably have at least two or three articles on him just showing that he was one of our favorite undrafted free agent prospects coming out of his draft class. Uh, and he played for Hugh Jackson in Cincinnati. Now Hugh Jackson's obviously with Cleveland. But Terrell Watson came with him, so I feel like that we have the coach's trust in this situation. Watson is someone that's fighting for that big back role. Maybe he can unseat Isaiah Crowell at some point this year. So he has a lot to prove. I think the fact that he followed Hugh Jackson says a lot about their relationship and what he thinks he can do on that roster. So uh, Watson's like a straight-up plug-and-play for me. I think him and Washington in that slate probably going to comprise 90 to 95% of my lineups. Excellent. All right, you mentioned the Browns' defensive team, but we're going to go over to – because we want to try and get through the rest of the games. The Raiders at the Cardinals – And what we'll do with the rest of these games, they're a few days away. So what we'll do is I'll just throw out the, you know, the names that you have for both teams, and then you can kind of hit on your best plays, if any, out of those teams. How's that sound? That's cool with me. All right. So Arizona and the Raiders, 37.5 is the total. Kerwin Williams, a guy who's been around a while, and J.J. Nelson, Mr. Excitement is the wide receiver you mentioned, Connor Cook, and Max McCaffrey. Max McCaffrey, is he related to the McCaffreys? Uh, I actually think he is. I think he's, I think he's either like his son or his nephew or something. I'm not, I, I am almost positive I saw that note when I was doing it, the research, but I'm not 100% positive. 
He, uh, right, but he's so, a, he's well, a there player, was though. Billy who played. There was Billy McCaffrey who played on those Duke championship teams with Bobby Hurley and Christian Leitner, and then there obviously was his brother who was the NFL wideout for the Denver Broncos, and the I think the father. I forget which one's. I think Billy's the father of the kid who plays for Stanford. Um, either way, um, out of those four guys, who is you know who who really is at the top of your list? Uh, I think Connor Cook. I think it's between Cook and Nassim to be the top QB on that plate. Uh, and the Raiders do allow kind of that third string QB role to to throw the ball a lot. At least they did last year with the same coaching staff. Uh, and now you're in a situation where they know what they have in Derek Carr. He's a clear starter. Last year he did throw a bunch of passes in this game, but he probably doesn't have to in 2016 because they kind of know who he is. Matt McGloin is also fairly established with them. He's been productive in stretches. So I think that this is definitely a spot where Connor Cook could play the entire second half, uh, and he has something to prove. I mean, he wants to be the backup quarterback for the Oakland Raiders. It's possible that they only keep two QBs. Uh, I think it was kind of baffling when they took Connor Cook in the draft in the fourth round, considering that they probably had other needs. So I think well, they're going to play bring out with him and let him play. Yeah, and, and Max McGloin—I call him McGloin, but McGloin—he actually played pretty decent a couple years ago. I, I don't think that uh, if he does get cut from Oakland, he won't find a seat somewhere else. Um, all right, so we're going to go to the Saturday to Sunday slate, and we're going to talk Seahawks at Chiefs. When I was a kid, there was a Darren Reeves who was a running back, I believe, for the Eagles. You mentioned him. And for Seattle, Travoin Boykin and Zach Brooks. Um, any any favorites here? I'm going to talk about Seattle real quick because I, I think Boykin is in the running for top QB play. He was a versatile dual threat at TCU. Uh, there's a couple guys on this slate that can run and pass, so – uh, it's going to be hard to figure out who I like the most as we approach Saturday, but Boykin's definitely on that list. Uh, Brooks actually is someone that's been injured recently in practice since I wrote this. Uh, so this is another one of those potential small death chart spots. Uh, they drafted Alex Collins. Seattle did out of Arkansas. He was a productive player there. Uh, and he's, in, he's potentially going to be in one of those spots where he gets a lot of work because C.J. Prosite has been hurt. Thomas Rawls probably isn't going to play at all. Um, so we could expect to see a lot of Alex Collins on Saturday. Awesome. All right. So um, I love I love the Boykin call. I mean, they have a tendency to, um, you know, Tavares Jackson was there and Russell Wilson. So if if you got a running guy like that and he can show something at pass, um, I, I like that call a lot. Next game is the Colts and the Bills. Cardale, Cardale, Cardale Jones, who was the uh, the flash in the pan for Ohio State, um, Jonathan Williams, Colby Listonby, and the Bills D. Um, while you're off on the Colts, um, reports out of Buffalo that I've read haven't been too uh, too positive about Cardale Jones. Um, what are your thoughts on those guys? Uh, who's your favorite? And of course, touch on Cardale. Yeah, I mean, I'll touch on Jones first. Like, I, I don't think that he's good. Like, <laughs> like I didn't like him as a prospect. Uh, I didn't like that Buffalo took him, but I think that there's just a really good shot that he played a decent amount of snaps. I think they want him to be the heir apparent to Tyrod Taylor. So, I, just a, just based on the play opportunity and the fact he can run, he's in consideration. But I definitely like Boykin more. Um, the the guy for me that I like the most on Buffalo is Jonathan Williams. Extremely productive for Arkansas last year. Uh, the Bills' depth chart is a little older. They have Reggie Bush, and they have LaShawn McCoy, both guys that are pretty firmly established. Carlos Williams is, I guess, losing weight, but he's still overweight, and he's suspended, so we might not see a ton of him. Uh, so I think that could lead Williams to do a lot of the work. Gotcha. And and not Mike Josley. No, I think Gillisley is going to open the season for them as the backup. So I think that there's a chance that they just, you know, not that he won't get used at all, but that, you know, the, that like they're not going to put him out there too much. Right. Yep. I got you. Next game, the Cowboys at the Rams, 35.5 total. One of the best names, um, Farrow Cooper, 
who has gotten a pretty good amount of press, and Mike Thomas, who also seems like the Rams always have those next guys who are going to be, you know, have could be a breakout wide receiver who never break out. Um, for Dallas, you've got Dak Prescott for obvious reasons, Darius Jackson and Rico Gathers. Thoughts on the Cowboys and the Rams game? If you're going to play one guy from this game, it has to be Darius Jackson. Uh, he is an absolute must-play. Freak athlete. I, I thought that if he had gone to like another team other than Dallas or if Dallas hadn't drafted Ezekiel Elliott, he's someone that I would have in like 100% of my fantasy league. Like I think this guy is really good, really talented, and the Dallas backfield is another one that has a ton of injuries. Obviously, Lance Dunbar is always hurt. Ezekiel Elliott's been hurt. Uh, and he's their starter, and Alfred Morris is a seasoned veteran. This is a, a you know a spot where he could get 15 to 20 carries, and I think he's talented enough to make those count. All right, we're going to move on to the Chargers at the Titans, 35.5, and the enigmatic Doriel Green Beckham is on your list. Philip Supernaw, who not only has one of the great names in the NFL, but uh, is someone I am aware of, and I I think he's a good choice here. For San Diego, Brandon Oliver and Terrell Williams. Uh, Williams is a guy who's got a chance to be the third wide out there. Um, What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, Dorio Greenbacken to me is just someone that I can't not play because I think he's really good, and I think he's getting played by Tennessee. Uh, this is someone that is, again, a really good athlete. He has huge size. And if they're serious about not making him a starter and he's going to play against second and third string corners, like, I just don't see how they're going to be able to cover him. I thought he was already their best receiver last year in real football games. So in a preseason setting, I think that he's just in a spot where he could dominate. Yeah, I, I really feel like sometimes what you find with NFL coaches is they want people to be good at everything and to take their job serious. And, you know, it's very easy for teams to get down on talented guys over picky things. And especially coaches who don't have the best reputations uh, for being great thinkers. And I, I, I wonder if Malarkey is kind of pigeonholing Doriel Green Beckham. And, you know, they're so busy looking at what he can't do that they're not taking advantage of what he can do. I totally agree with that. All right, so we're going to move on to the next game. It's the Texans at the 49ers. And, again, um, this is one that I'm going to be very interested in, seeing what Chip Kelly does with uh, a com- almost complete lack of talent in 49er land. You've got Jeff Driscoll at quarterback, um, a very interesting choice. And you've named three of their wide receivers, including Mr. Bruce Ellington, who has made the leap from a maybe 20th round MFL 10 guy to I just saw him go in the 13th round. He's a guy I have a good bit of. You also mentioned two lesser known guys in Aaron Burbage and DeAndre Smelter coming off an injury, I believe. Blake Bell at tight end, uh, Tyler Irvin and the Texans defense. And that'll wrap it up. So feel free to take a little bit of time on this one. <laughs> well, I mean, you'll never find me at a loss for words when it comes to Chip Kelly. Uh, I just think that that guy's a – I think he's really good. I think he's really smart, obviously, coaching football. Uh, but the biggest thing that we're interested in for fantasy is that he's going to push the tempo. Uh, the total here is actually a little lower than I would have thought. It, it's actually gone up to 36 and a half in the last uh, couple of days. But a lot of his totals last year were in, like, the upper 30s, the 40s, because he pushed the tempo so much with Philly. Uh, So maybe this is a sign that he won't play as fast uh, or that the players just aren't that good. But I I think the fact that you're probably going to get a lot of plays and a lot of snaps from both sides of this game makes it one that you want to attack. So that's why I'm big into Driscoll. Um, You know, he was someone that I thought was a good fit for this offense when he was drafted. And – when Chip Kelly first started with Philly, they had just drafted Matt Barkley, and he let Barkley play a lot in that game. He threw 22 passes, and he ran the ball twice, which is a lot for Matt Barkley because he's not really that good of an athlete. So I feel like this is a spot where Driscoll can see a ton of snaps, maybe see a similar pass volume, and do a little bit more on the ground. So uh, he might be my top QB play for that uh, Saturday to Sunday slate. 
if uh, you know if DraftKings does include that game this Saturday, I hope they do, obviously. Uh, and pretty much like the like the moral of the story for that game is like just get as much exposure as you can without being ridiculous. That's why I, that's why I you know recommended all those receiving options. Yep, and I agree with that. It, you know, you, you you made a great point earlier about what happened last year is um, as far as usage and the, the way these coaches coach. Um, if you remember last year in preseason, the Eagles looked like they were going to be a juggernaut. Um, Sam Bradford looked great. Almost everyone on their team looked great. Um, Chip Kelly, I'm not as high on him as you are, but I'm not as down on him as many are. I kind of come in the middle. You know, I see him as a flawed guy who also is got some genius tendencies. And I don't want to miss out on the genius tendencies staring at his flaws, similar to what we talked about with Dorio Green-Breckham. So I, I think that the San Francisco is a great choice uh, because Chip doesn't play preseason like it's a preseason game. He plays it like he plays – you know, it's like Chip Kelly has – you know, he, he has his gas pedal at 75 miles an hour, 90 miles an hour, and he never slows down for anything. So I, I, I agree with you tremendously on the 49ers. So um, that kind of wraps up what uh, we were looking at as far as the games go. I was going to kind of ask you something about another article that you wrote, but I think we're going to leave it here, Anthony. Um, an hour is kind of towards the long end of these podcasts, and I really appreciate you coming on. Any final thoughts? And then I've got one last question that I'm going to ask you. Uh, just, you know, keep checking out all my work over at Rotoviz and the Insiders, especially with the preseason content. Uh, you know, read what I put out there, read what Seth and Pat Thorman are putting out there, and uh, just go out and make yourself some easy money this summer. Awesome. All right, final question for NFL preseason week one. Who's your number one guy who's going to take a return to the house? I'm going with Devin Fuller. Uh, he's someone that is athletic. Uh, he was athletic coming out of college in seventh-round draft pick for Atlanta, and he's going to get the return kicks for them. Their primary kick returner now is Sonny Weems. He's getting a little older. So I think they're going to give Fuller every shot to, you know, to make that happen. And, you know, tomorrow night, if he runs one back, that's going to be really profitable, I think, for a lot of people. All right. Well, thank you, Anthony. You can find him at Amixta, A-M-I-C-S-T-A. I hope I said that right. Um, find him on Rotoviz, And highly, highly recommend that you spend the $30 a month. Um, Anthony does podcasts on Rotoviz. Go and rate the podcast. You'll get a discount. Um, for Rotoviz, so you'll even play, pay less than $30. And I really think it's one of the best values in fantasy. Um, in honor of Chip Kelly, we're going to lead you out with Life in the Fast Lane by the Eagles. Anthony, thanks again for coming on the pod. Thanks for having me.